This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. Well, good morning. Good morning. I want to start this morning by asking you a question. And I'm going to ask you to try and think of a time in your life when you were given or perhaps when you offered someone else radical and absurd forgiveness. What or who comes to mind? Maybe a time in your life, but can you think of someone or something from your past as an example? And I asked that question this morning because a commentary I read this week suggested that one of the ways that we can read the parables is by looking in them for what is absurd and using that as a way to begin to unpack and to understand the parables. To use what is absurd in the parable as a marker for what is important or critical in the story to help us flesh out the theological meaning. So let's begin this morning with what is absurd or shocking in today's gospel message. What strikes us as countercultural or out of ordinary behavior. And I think for me there are two pieces that stand out immediately. The first is the behavior of these tenants who think that Killing and beating and stoning the landowner's slaves will somehow win them control of the property. They seem to think that their actions have no consequence and that the agreement they had with the landowner carries no weight or enforceability. Didn't they think that one day they would have to pay not just their rent, but also pay for the beatings and the killings Did they really believe that killing the landowner's son would cause him to give up and leave them alone so that they could just take the land as their own? But I think the second and maybe even the bigger example of absurd behavior is that of the landlord. I think the first time he sends people to have his rent collected, we can let him off the hook. That was normal behavior. But after hearing that this first group was beaten, killed, and stoned, why wouldn't he have sought some help from the authorities or sent a larger force that was equipped to protect themselves from people that he knew to be dangerous? But instead, he sends more slaves who are also beaten and stoned and killed. And then incredulously, he decides to send his son, who's also thrown out and killed. I know if if I was the son in this example, I probably would have asked for some better support, or I might have said I was too busy that weekend and I couldn't go. (laughs) Or maybe Dad should send someone else to speak with these murderous, violent, vicious people. We also have to admit this morning that we read and hear this passage as a people, we know the entire story, right? We know how it ends. And so we insert ourselves and God into the parable. We imagine God as the landowner, a God who so desires a relationship with the tenants that God risks messenger after messenger, and even God's own son, in order to win and to restore a relationship with the tenants. A God whose desire for right relationship seems to overrule any need for safety or justice, or maybe even common sense. The tenants are given opportunity after opportunity to repent and to honor their commitment. 
They're given every chance to bear fruit and to honor the terms of their agreement. Yet the tenants seem to be overrun by greed and desire and are numb to the opportunities for repentance that are being offered to them. We also have to acknowledge this morning that this passage has been used over the the years in many harmful ways, used to justify vindictive and exclusionary behavior, to make excuses for keeping people away for the kingdom of God. And it's even been suggested that this parable shows that God's promises and favor have somehow been transferred from the Jewish people to Christians or to Gentiles, used to support hateful and even violent forms of oppression and exclusion. But Jesus wasn't telling this parable to a nation or to a group of people, ethnic or otherwise. This parable was being told to the chief priests and the Pharisees, a group of religious leaders who were holding tightly to their power, a group that Jesus seemed to feel was becoming overly legalistic, strict, and exclusionary, a group that was no longer bearing or sharing the fruits of the kingdom. So yes, there is warning and there is judgment in this parable. There's a clear emphasis on the importance of producing the fruits of the kingdom and warnings towards those who fail to bear fruit. I think we could also say that there's a warning to those who wield power to attempt to exclude and to control and to limit the kingdom of God. But we also find in the parable this absurd, radical, countercultural landowner who risks and who forgives and who longs for right relationship. A landowner who seems willing to risk everything, even their own son, willing to risk everything when common sense and logic would indicate otherwise. I asked you earlier to think of someone who modeled absurd, absurd forgiveness in your life. I imagine many of you were able to think of someone, but perhaps for some of you, nothing or no one came easily to mind. But this morning's gospel lesson reminds us that God is the ultimate example of radical, absurd, and complete forgiveness. A creator who sent their son to restore and heal a broken relationship. A son who, even after dying on the cross, came once again seeking relationship and love. Absurd forgiveness offered out of a deep longing for connection. We're called to bear the fruits of the kingdom, to spread love and light and charity. And we're called to share this love with all those we encounter. It isn't something to be hoarded or protected or coveted. The fruits of the kingdom are abundant and they're meant to be passed along. This life we live is also a journey. And we can acknowledge the good news that while God expects us to bear fruit, God is also deeply forgiving and desirous of relationship, even to the point of offering absurd forgiveness and love to a people that all too often can behave like greedy 
and covetous tenants. We must be careful not to act like the tenants, blind to the repercussions of our actions, and also failing to acknowledge our Creator's true heart and intentions. So hear the good news this morning and the promise that you are forgiven, that you are loved, and that you are made for relationship with God and with each other. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.